All right, we will uh, continue with our study on peace, calm in the chaos. A little different setup. I've got my podium in the back because I wanted to welcome uh, and, and have some thoughts toward the children that are a part of our church in your homes. We want to, want, just felt the Lord leading to have a message that would be uh, for them and the grown-ups. So uh, a message for everybody. And I trust that the Lord will have his way in communicating his glory, communicating his love and his truth to us so we really can experience his peace in our homes because that, that's the title, Peace in the Home. Uh, if you are like my family during this season, past several, uh, five now, five, six weeks, when we've had all the stay at home in place, conflict arises when we're bumping up against each other, when we're not used to leaving the house to have a break from one another. All of a sudden, we're just around, and things get tense, and things get uh, said and maybe unsaid that really don't deal with the bottom line peace that we're looking for, and it actually is creating an atmosphere of uh, contention and creating an atmosphere that just feels bad. So while we want to have peace, and we're, maybe you're pursuing the Lord and reading the Word, you just don't feel that God's with you. Uh, and it could be that, that there's some un, uh, unforgiveness going on, bitterness perhaps stirring in you, but just anger, anger that just says, I want things my way, and they're not my way right now. You have to recognize how God is still in control, and He's using these moments to get us to recognize Him and get us to depend on him, and get us to feel his love so we can then express his love to everybody around us. Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 13, dot, dot, 11. Had to do that for the kids because that's how we memorize verses, right? Exactly. 2 Corinthians 13, dot, dot, 11 says this. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Father, we ask that the truth of your word and your peace would be experienced in us as we consider your word and lean upon you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at this verse again. When there's conflict, Aim for restoration to put things back together that are broken. Comfort one another. There's a patience that's involved with that. Agree with one another. We're going to talk about what that means. Live in peace. Now, the first thing we have to recognize is that that's a command. Live in peace. God is telling us, live in peace. We have responsibility for that. And that's what we want to open up today. And here's the promise that's the same promise that Jesus gave to his disciples that we looked at way back when we started this study, that he says, my peace I give to you. The God of love and peace, God of love and peace will be with you. And we trust that means it's going to be in our homes to experience. Do you have particular sounds that really, really, really annoy you? Like sounds, somebody, mouth noises, those bother me. Mm, mm. Really get stressed out with mouth noises. 
Maybe there's certain, uh, maybe there's sometimes there's a noise that's happening that doesn't bother you, but later on it does bother you because it's just this weird hum that's going. And then, then you realize, I'm a little irritated. Why am I so irritated? Why don't you stop that noise? Or maybe it's a noise you can't, uh, you, you, you can't control. It's outside your house and it's a lawnmower and it's just driving you crazy. You know, there are, there, there are different noise levels that we all have. But there's things that will tip us to be irritated. And that's what conflict is. We live our lives with a certain tone. But then that tone we don't like anymore. So in our homes, we live, we, we love our homes, love being there. But at some points, it just becomes irritating. We're like the tone of our homes becomes that weird hum or that high-pitched noise or that something that just says, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like this. We want to recognize how just the tone and hum of life affects our hearts, but also affects our relationships and brings about conflict, because conflict's that way. Conflict's always ready. And then, boop, it'll show itself. And it's always ready. Boop, it'll show itself. Now we think, if I can just change the people in my life, then my conflict is not going to go like that. But God's word says something different. Because God points to us, not necessarily to something out of us. So the big thought for today is this. God wants our homes to be places that have a calm tone so that his love and peace will be our experience. That we really can have his peace with one another. But as we're thinking about conflict and how, it's happened, how it happens, we need, to, we need to understand what conflict is. Now, there are, there are things that cause conflict. Uh, this can control uh, or, or bring up conflict, right? You, have, you always have the remote. I never get the, the chance to, to put what I want to watch. Remotes cause conflict, or, or maybe it's the, uh, the remote control for a gaming device. Maybe you have a, a really good, awesome, souped-up one, and, and then your brother or sister's always using it, and you're like, I want to use that one now. Conflict. What else? What, what, let's say you, you spent a long time making a Lego, and so you're thinking, man, I've got to protect this. I don't want anybody to play with it. All of a sudden, your brother or sister takes it, and they're and he's like, stop, stop, stop. You're going to break it. I don't want you to break it. Conflict. Those are examples of conflict. Maybe you have a phone that you're on all the time, and then your parents say, stop being on your phone all day long. Conflict between you and parents, between brother and sister. How about when somebody else gets your favorite candy and you're thinking, I'd like some of that. So you ask, can I have some Sour Patch Kids? And the other person says, no. Or, or they do this. They give you, sure, I'll share, but they give you one. They got like 18 and they give you one. Conflict. You, something stirs in you and you respond a particular way. Uh, in my house, this is weird. In my house, we had a certain, when my, when my kids were younger, we had a certain conflict that always happened when this came into the house. Ready?
balloons. Balloons, for some mysterious, very odd reason, cause conflict. I don't know why. I've had thoughts that maybe balloons have come from Satan himself. That he, he figured out how to make a balloon because he knew it would cause conflict and anger and hatred. I'm surprised he didn't show up to Jesus in the wilderness and say, Hey, Jesus, got a balloon. Conflict. It's just miserable. And then what happens? You know, okay, let's, we have to, one for each of you, but why is it that I don't want the green one, I want the blue one, I don't want the blue one, I don't want the green one? Why do these create so much conflict? And then if you lose one, oh, guess what? More conflict. What? Mom, I lost mine, so he has to give me his. What? We think like that. We think, oh, no, 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 I I lost mine, so I get yours. You don't get mine. No way. I'm keeping mine. But then you take it, and you're trying to figure out how to... Balloons. Oh, how about that noise? Irritating. Very irritating, isn't it? But you know... I don't know why these create so much conflict, but they do. They need to get away. All right, I feel better already because the balloons are up there. Don't know when they're going to come down, but they're up there. So we'll move on. There's things that cause conflict, but you know what? There's also feelings that we have with conflict. We feel if somebody touches our stuff, it's disrespectful. Or parents, when they feel that you uh, don't answer them in a particular way, it's disrespectful. And there's some truth in all of this. When somebody takes your stuff and it's, it's not theirs, that is disrespectful. But when we feel this disrespect, it causes us to act in a certain way that maybe God doesn't want us to act in. Sometimes we feel unappreciated. We don't, we don't feel like anybody pays attention to what we're doing that helps us along and helps us understand uh, or helps just the relationship by appreciation. Hey, thank you for doing that. Oh, you worked hard on that. That's great. We, feel under, we don't feel appreciated. That's parents. Parents, that's where conflict comes in. And there's, there's the feeling that things, people are just mean. You're just mean to me. You are unkind. And I don't know what to do anymore because you're always mean to me. We feel it. We feel disrespected. We feel unappreciated. And we feel unkindness. We feel that deep in, in us. But then we have to think about the reason the conflict is there. Now, what I said earlier is that we look to everybody outside and we say it's because that person. It's because he, because she, it's because that. We always look outside as the reason for our conflict. And you know what? There's truth in that. Sometimes it really is somebody else's fault. But we have to also recognize that when we, when we feel that, we can respond sinfully rather than respond like Jesus wants us to. We want to point a finger at somebody else's failure or their selfishness as the reason that, no, I, I'm not wrong for arguing right now. I'm not wrong for fighting right now because he made me do it. Because she always does that. And conflict is there. Now, there's outward 
But where the Bible tells us to look is on the inside. We have an inside that the Bible says, we're going to look at this verse in a second. The Bible says we have a a war inside of us. And it's going like this all the time. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 say this. What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. Now remember, Jesus said, if you look at somebody with hatred in your heart, you've, you've killed it. you're guilty of just killing them in your heart. That's what James is talking about. You covet and cannot obtain. You want something so bad. And you're so jealous of somebody else having it. You can't obtain. So what? You fight and quarrel. Quarrel means argue. You do not have because you do not ask. Wait a minute. God wants to give us stuff? Yes. Hold on. But look. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. See, we want God. We pray, God, please give me a million dollars or give me the next, the good remote control or give me the good bike. We pray for God to give us those things. But we have to be careful that in our hearts, if we're just, we want that so I can be respected. I want that so I can be appreciated. I want that so I can be king or queen of everything. God doesn't give us those things in those moments because he knows we're going we're gonna to be selfish with it. And there's going to be something inside of us that is not right. See, the reason we fight with one another and the reason conflict happens is because of sin in the other person and because of sin inside my own heart. I want something so bad and I can't have it, so I argue and I'll even fight for it. See, our passions, our our desires for good, for fun, for pleasure. That's what our passions are. We want things to be fun. We want to be happy. We want things to go well. We want good and fun. Our problem is that we think these things will give us good and fun more than God will give us good and fun. God will bless us with good things. He'll bless us with fun. But he will give us things in ways that he knows will not steal our love from him, steal our worship from him. See, in our hearts, we want to love God and everything, and then all of a sudden our hearts are tempted to look at this thing and worship this. This is what I need right now. Rather than say, God, You have all of my affection. You have all of my love. You have all of my passions. And I trust that you will give me good and fun. See, God says, I'm going to bless you. But he knows that if he gives us the Ferrari, and it's going to all of a sudden, I'm going to take this Ferrari and hightail it away from God. I don't love God anymore. God says, I'm not going to give that to you because I want your heart. And I'm not going to give you something that's going to take your heart away from me. He wants our hearts to stay connected to him. So he gives us things in ways to protect our love for him. And sometimes he doesn't want us to have things because he knows that our hearts will turn away. Sometimes he'll tell us, no, you can't have that. 
I would recognize that's God saying, because I want your heart. And I want to be first in your heart. The conflict also happens when we hold too tightly to what we want. That's the coveting. We hold tightly. I have to have this. Or my life is nothing. Or my life is destroyed. Whatever we think gives us good and fun is what we hold on really tightly to. So if it's video games or talking with our friends or going somewhere, can't go anywhere right now, but you know what I mean. It's when we can't go somewhere and we ask, can I go with that? Maybe it's a toy. Maybe it's what you think, uh, a, a movie right now. I, I want to pick a movie because that's going to be fun for me. Maybe uh, parents or this. I just want everything to be quiet right now. That's what I want. I want everything to be quiet. Well, we can hold on to those things so tightly that we miss peace. We just add more conflict. Now there, James tells us that we can either surrender to our passions. I missed a slide again. I'm sorry. We can either surrender to our passions or we can surrender to Jesus. We can surrender to Christ. Our homes won't be peaceful places until we first address our hearts in relationship with God. Jesus needs to be first, and he will, he will make sure he's first on the throne of our hearts, and we need to surrender to him. Now, the surrender looks like two things. One, it looks like surrendering our hearts to Jesus for the first time, where we recognize that our sin separates us from him. And he, he doesn't respond to us because of that sin. And, and we can't do anything to take care of that sin in order to meet God where he is. But God in his love for us sent Jesus to be one of us, to bear the penalty of our sins and, and take the payment for our sins and the wrath of God toward us because of our sins. Jesus took that all on, it, on, on himself on the cross and he rose on the third day. And if we trust him, Jesus, you died in my place to give me resurrection life. I believe you. I repent of my sins. I turn from them. God says this, rather than pulling us to himself, he says, I'm coming to you. And he joins himself to us with a relationship. And he puts the Holy Spirit inside of us so we have a relationship with him that he says is forever. So there's a first time we do that where we surrender our hearts, say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Please give me your life. I believe you. And then God comes and seals himself to us. Now, once we've done that, there's an ongoing surrender that we need to do. We need to keep on surrendering to the Lord. We have to yield ourselves. We have to still repent of our sins in order to trust the Holy Spirit to work more good in us by, by changing us to be more and more like Jesus in our minds and in our actions. We, we need to have Jesus in our minds and in our actions so he's the first thing that happens whenever conflict comes to us. We think about him before anything else. But that's, that's understanding where conflict comes from, uh, the things and the feelings and the, the reasons for it. We need to surrender to Christ. But here, here's how we want to respond to conflict because the first thing that we feel whenever conflict happens is anger. We are so angry. And we'll have angry actions where we will hit something or someone. We just get so mad, we haul off and hit somebody. Or we might destroy something of the other person. Let's say... 
You only got one Sour Patch Kid, and you are so mad. And then you start thinking about how they get to pick all the movies and stuff, and they stole your balloon, and you're like, that's it. And you get so angry that you find the thing that they were doing, and you destroy it just to get back at them. Angry, angry. I made a mess right here. Let me move all this to the side here. <laughs> it's a good thing I like putting these back together because I do I have wow I don't want to step on them either all right they are I think they're out of the way we have angry actions we'll hit we'll destroy something or another angry action is actually the opposite of these two another angry action will be I'm going to get away from everybody and I'm going to silence myself and I'm going to isolate myself I'm going to get away and I'm going to punish you with my silence Moms and dads do this a lot. We do it to our mom and dad. When they're correcting us, go to our room, get away. We think, I just, want, I just don't want to hear it anymore. No, we're seeking something inside of us. There's, some, there's a passion that we want to fulfill, and we think our parents are in the way of fulfilling that passion. But here's what James said about our anger. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When we hit something, destroy something, or silence ourselves, we don't bring about what God wants. We don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring about what he wants. See, there's angry actions. There's also angry words. Oops, sorry. The first one is the big N-O. No! No, 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 for the last time, no, N-O, we love this word, we love the word no, but these words, when we say no, it's one, it, it, we, when there's conflict, there's an angry response to that conflict, See, there's another word, and it's mine. That's mine. Remember, like the birds in Finding Nemo? Mine, 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 mine. And those are irritating, too. Mine, mine, mine. We say that. We know what it's like to say mine, mine, mine. Or maybe, leave me alone. Or how about, that's not fair. I always do this. You always. Never do that. That's not fair. They've got, they got to choose the movie. They got the candy every other. That's not fair. But when we say these words, listen, there's anger behind them, and that anger is doing something in somebody else too. How about you always, you always, or you never. I always, you never. Or maybe I'm sick of it. Have you ever said that? Parents, have you ever said that? See, the it right there needs to be changed because we're not sick of it. You know what we're sick of? The other person. And that's why we have to be very, very careful on how we use these words because when our children hear us say, I'm sick of it, or kids, to your parents, if you say, I'm sick of it, even in your heart, you don't say it with your, your, your mouth out loud, but in your heart, 
There's a feeling. Those are angry words that don't bring about what God desires for us. Or if you're so angry that you say, I hate you. He's hurt. They hurt a lot, don't they? Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A lot of times we, we, we're so used to being offended in the conflict and being sinned against that we always have a harsh word in response even when there's no conflict yet. But the harsh word stirs up the conflict. No, it's mine. Leave it alone. It stirs it up even when there's nothing there. See, our words have power. They can build up or they can tear down. And they do it quickly. We will speak life or we will speak death with our words. When we're in a conflict, we, we, don't wanna, we, wanna, we usually don't want to accept the responsibility uh, for our passions, our sins, and our cravings that are at war with inside of us. We want to be right, so we blame other people and things. We want to free ourselves from the hurt of, of hurtful uh, Angry actions and angry words were hurt by those, and we want to free ourselves, so what do we do? We think, I'm going to attack you back. I'm going to attack you back. And what we really want to do is bring the hammer. Like, you know what? You did that. Did that to you. How you like this, huh? See, that's, that's our first response is, oh, you're, you're going to hurt me? I'm going to hurt you back. But does this really, really help? See, we might think that in the moment it makes us feel a little better. But as time goes on, we feel worse. Man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? We need to learn that what 2 Corinthians 13 said, that we need to learn to agree with one another. What does that mean? One, I think we need to agree on the big things. We need to agree that God is good, God is in control, and God gives us things as he wants us to have them in his timing. And we can't rush that. We can't make it happen and manipulate it. So God wants, he's in control, and he's he's the giver of gifts, and he's good. So we agree on that. We agree on Jesus. That Jesus is the only way to God. That's what we agree on. But we also, in the source of the conflict, we have to recognize and agree on what the problem really is. See, usually the problem is not about a car or Sour Patch Kids. The problem is something deep down, and we have to do some investigation. We have to ask questions and say, why do I feel this way? And when we start asking those questions, we start understanding what's going on on the inside. But we also need to agree on how to relate to one another. Be able to offer something said without a fear of a response that's going to be harsh. Parents, we need to be able to listen to our children without them fearing our response to them. We need to ask open and good questions. But we also need to learn to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So look, 
when we speak the truth in love to one another, Jesus is exalted. He's preeminent. He, we see him on his throne, and that's where his peace comes to help us. But we need to, let, we need to have our speech be the truth, but not harsh truth, critical truth. We have to agree on the truth and then speak the truth in love really preferring the other person over ourselves. Uh, Colossians 4, verse dot, dot 6. Let your speech always be gracious, kind, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Gracious speech. Building up, not looking to tear down, but speaking the truth in love. See, our words should not feel like a hammer coming down, our words should actually feel like feathers falling. Now, it doesn't mean, we're like, oh, you're just so pretty. Oh, you're just so great. Oh, you never did anything wrong. Oh, I wish I was you. It's not that. It means that, no, these, these represent truth and the truth of Jesus. And whenever Jesus speaks to us, whenever God speaks to us, we feel a comfort in our hearts. And rather, rather than feeling something heavy that's come upon us, we actually feel, no, God has been gracious to me in his speech. He's not looking to bring a hammer. Jesus already took that. He's now coming wanting his grace and his love and his peace to be known by us. Sorry, I got it on my iPad. I got to move that off. <laughs> now, we are no hammer. Got to feel like feathers falling. Now, we, we also need to learn. We, we, with responding, make sure we're not responding in anger. We're agreeing with one another. But here's where anger really is dealt with. We need to learn to forgive one another. Now, sadly, we don't know how to forgive very well. We usually think, uh, if I say I'm sorry, then nothing else has to happen after that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You do something wrong, go to your parents, because they're getting ready to tell on you. Uh, either I didn't do anything, and then if you really get caught, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But what we do in that moment is we're not really sorry for our sin against God or our sin against the other person. We're just sorry that, man, now life's going to be bad. I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do. We're sorry over the consequences. We're not sorry over the sin. We're not sorry over the anger. We, we have this weird way of storing up punishment for other people. Here's what I mean by that. We carry around these jars, and whenever somebody does us wrong, they're filled with things that have, people have done wrong to us. And, and if somebody does something wrong, we dig in our pockets and we add to it. See, uh-huh. You always do that. Yep. You never let me do anything. Yep. You are not fair. I don't like you. See, what we're doing is we're, we're storing up punishment because we, we want to take this one day and we think oh one day I'm just going to pour this out on you and it's going to be so bad and we think of ways to tell somebody something that will really hurt them and hurt them the way that we were hurt but that never helps but look when we carry around 
the punishment that we think other people deserve, we're only punishing ourselves. Because all we're doing is pouring this out in our hearts over and over and over again. We're pouring it out over and over, and, and we feel weighted down. But we look at the other person, and they're not weighted down, and we think, you, I'm, I've got evil thoughts against you right now. You should be crying, and you're not, because we're just punishing ourselves. But here's what happens. See, the punishment, sin has death. It has punishment with it. So when we get, somebody sins against us, we do feel it, and it hurts. But in that moment, we have to recognize what Jesus did for us that now gives us the power to do something for other people. God took all, Jesus took all of our punishment upon himself, all that weight, all that burden. He put it on himself and he paid for it once and for all to where it's gone and will never, ever, ever have to pay for it. But here's what God also does. God says, I'm not gonna punish you with it by reminding you that you sin, or that you have sinned. See, that's where we get forgiveness wrong. We don't fully forgive somebody if we keep an account, if we keep a jar of all the times that they have sinned against us. We think, oh, yeah, 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 I forgive you. But if we don't recognize, no, Jesus took that penalty. He took that sin And he doesn't remind me of all the sins that I've done. See, forgiveness says, I forgive you because Jesus took that sin. I don't have to bear the weight of it. Jesus took that sin. Now, in that moment, we feel what Jesus went through for us because we feel that hurt, but we give that hurt to Jesus, and and he lifts us, and the Holy Spirit inside of us makes us whole. But we, we also say, and I promise to never bring this back up to you. I'm, I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. It's done. It's over with because that's what Jesus did with my sin. He took it and he emptied the jar. He emptied it completely and God doesn't fill it up. We shouldn't either. And that's why we need to forgive like Jesus forgives us. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's how Jesus forgives us. That's how we need to forgive one another. And the glory of forgiveness is that Jesus takes our punishment and he says, never, never, never again will I bring it up to you. You know, we want peace in our homes. We need to have an assurance that when we sin and have conflict and there's forgiveness that's offered, we have the assurance that, you know, when you forgave me, I believe that you'll never, ever bring that into my into my life. You're not reminding me of that. You're not judging me for that anymore. You're not critical of me anymore. I believe that you're not going to repay me for my sins, just like God does not repay us because Jesus took it. Now, we want to avoid conflict. Look, we understand it. We want to respond to it by surrendering to Christ and, and forgiving. But listen, we also want to avoid conflict, and we avoid conflict by looking at, uh, you want to look at Philippians 2, the le- first 11 verses in Philippians 2, they give us a very helpful, uh, three helpful ways to avoid conflict. But here the Bible says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what are these three things? The first one is humility. And that means you are willing to take, to ask the tough questions of your own heart and the passions that are at war. But humility looks like being willing to be wrong. Not fighting to be right all the time. And, and it's willing to be wrong about your contribution when it's not all your fault. Because there are some times when it's not all our fault. The second thing is to serve. Count others of more value. Consider others' interests more important than your own. Look for ways to think of yourself uh, to be less by serving. And giving your life away because that's when we find Jesus. That's when we experience his peace. And, the, and this happens in our minds first. We need to think first. Avoiding conflict starts in our minds thinking of ourselves less so we can think of others more. But it starts in our minds saying, I am going to forgive when conflict happens because I want to be like Jesus and I want Jesus to shine through. And that's the promise. When we act like Jesus, when we have the experience of who he is in us, and then we give that away in our, we, we experience his love, we experience his peace, and look, we exalt him. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to exalt Jesus because through his humility and service and his mind, he's exalted. So now through, as we think through it, and we are, we are saying, Lord, I want to be humble and I want to serve, Jesus is seen exalted. He's first. When he's first, Everything's good in our lives. Everything makes sense. And we're able to go to him over and over and over again. Look, don't kick Jesus off the throne trying to be your own boss, trying to be king and, and, and queen over your own life. Parents, my encouragement is choose the right battles. Choose the heart battles, not the behavior battles. Choose the heart battles. Behavior matters. But behavior doesn't change the heart. The heart doesn't change. You've got to fight the right battles. You've got to uh, be equipped to choose those battles effectively. And we all, 